It's about your business. It's about your ethics in your business. It's about your team engagement. It's about the wellness of the organization and what programs you're consistently bringing into your business and the teams to make sure that you have a highly cultivated, engaged, and enterprising group of people that are with you and around you on a consistent basis over time. And they know that you're there for them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Private Equity Power Talks podcast, season two. I'm your producer, Richard Aliff. In this episode, we take a turn to the philosophical, as we are joined by founder of the Aurelius Foundation and CEO of British handbag label Radley, Justin Stead. Justin describes his adoption of Stoicism and how he follows its teachings of wisdom, justice, temperance and courage to live a calmer, more productive life. Justin also explains how this ethos can be applied to your role as a CEO when focusing on things like ESG, resilience, culture and transformation. After what has been an extremely trying year, I'd welcome you to use this podcast as a chance to reflect on how you react to adversity and what you've learned from these situations that can be applied in the next step of your journey. Now, over to Sam and Justin. Delighted to be joined by by Justin Stead today. Hi, Justin. Thanks for joining us. Um, great to see you. A pleasure. I thought I'd start this one off by recounting a, a short story or experience I had. So, so it's just coming up to about a year ago, I was struck down by coronavirus. I was in bed for about 10 days and I wanted to really distract myself. So I picked up a copy of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Now, for those listeners who don't know anything about Marcus Aurelius, he was he was one of the last five great Roman emperors. Uh, and Meditations really is his moral and psychological advice to himself. It's his diary. Uh, he applies Stoic philosophy to the challenges he faces in his lifetime. And, and he's trying to understand his place in the world and the universe and the meaning of it all. Uh, now, Justin, I don't know if you remember, we got together back in sort of 2019, way before any of this thing, these things happened, and we were catching up for a coffee. Uh, I was coming in to tell you a bit about pep talks. We know we know each other for a long time, and then as we parted, you said, "Sammy, here, just do you know anything about um, Stoic philosophy? Uh, maybe you should take this book." Uh, and so it was you that gave me the book, uh, and I, I just. I'm keen to talk to you about all of these things now because I think I, I know you have great insights and you practice Stoic philosophy yourself and Stoicism. But I just wonder why you gave me that book. Well, that was a great introduction, Sam, and I really appreciate uh, your overview there. A uh, lot, to, lot to take in there and a lot of interesting uh, conversations that could come out of that. But the reason I gave you the book was I find it very interesting from time to time to hand the, the, the meditations out and people read it and they go, wow, mm -hmm. this is really interesting. But they also come away that I'm already doing much of this, but now I'm seeing a framework around it and a hierarchy of organization of thought and process that potentially could even take them to a a different, different uh, level of contentment and happiness and calmness. 
but then naturally of that persuasion. So to answer your question, really, I thought you were a natural stoic within yourself and would enjoy potentially taking on a more closer look at the philosophy. Well, thank you. Um, and thank you for giving me the book. But should we just talk about, you know, just for those people that aren't that familiar with, with stoicism, should we just do a quick, you know, definition? What is it? Where did it come from? What, what are the roots to stoic philosophy? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's an ancient philosophy and it's just a medium. Uh, and you said it very well at the start of today's chat. It's an incredible pragmatic, measured, fulfilling, calming toolkit to live a very productive life. You know, it was started by the Greeks three, four, five hundred years before the birth of Christ. It was started on the streets of Athens. So the Stoicism and, and its main themes and using them, you know, there are many, but, but you know, the big themes about, you know, you find your true meaning in life uh, by your search for virtue and a virtuous character and all that, right? That sounds very high-minded and, and so forth, but the Stoics break it down in a very practical manner. And, and that takes, a, in my mind, a lot of pressure off people of what am I really doing in all the things that I do? Am I looking for money, materialism, and so forth? But some of the other big tenets, there are the four cardinal virtues of wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage. The Stoics are environmentalists. So if you tie that into a business point, right? how can you build an, uh, a comprehensive ESG strategy uh, you know, without the considerations of environmentalism? But yeah. Stoic philosophy bringing into an ESG strategy is not just your environmental and your front-facing view to the customer and having uh, good supply chains and all that stuff. It's wider than that. It's about your business. It's about your ethics in your business. It's about your team engagement. It's about the wellness of the organization and what programs you're consistently bringing into your business and the teams to make sure that you have a highly cultivated, engaged and enterprising group of people that are with you and around you on a consistent basis over time. And they know that you're there for them. Yeah. And stoicism does that. But there's, you know, there's the dichotomic control. There's the view from above. There's being part of the greater good. You know, there's the emotional management side. There's all of these things, and you and you and you said it very well. It's very well orchestrated in good logic and architecture to to meet with any situation. You were actually an athlete before you went into business, weren't you? You were you were a professional tennis player, weren't you? Yeah, that, those were the good old days. <laughs> so I, I went to states on a I left Australia, came over here, played the pros for a while, went to the states on an athletic scholarship, and then came back out into the pros. Got to about four hundred in the world could see the writing on the, on, the, on the wall and had a different vision for my life at that point. And again, through all of that, if you're any sort of professional athlete at any level, again, stoicism is a great foundation because you do more losing than winning. It was very beneficial then and it's also been extremely beneficial during the sticky times in business. And obviously we're in, in one right now going through a global pandemic, you know, and I always think of it's relevant. People measure CEO management success based on outcome, profits, EBITDA, exit. You know, I, I live in the private equity world. So, but sometimes, you know, the greater success is how a CEO or senior management team handles crisis. Yeah. You know, were, were they able to, you know, 
for lack of a better term, were they able to keep the keys? Mm-hmm. Could they keep the business alive? Now, they don't probably get the credit that they deserve as much, but within the management teams that, uh, that I've worked with over the years, when it's been really difficult, I found that much more rewarding sometimes than the significant outcomes of a great exit. Yeah. Um, but so again, how, it's process. How do you use it then? I mean, how, how do you use Stoic philosophy in terms of uh, your leadership style and skills? And let's start there. In, in terms of your leadership, how do you, how do you use Stoicism there? You know, I think we, one of the key things about this approach is great listening. I think that's an important part of any senior management, especially the more influence you are in the business as you're going up through the ranks. Listen more and try to be uh, much more supportive. Uh, the greater good. So are we existing for the greater good, not only for our customers, but for each other? Uh, how we fit in with people who are willing to invest money with us and the things that we do. So how does that all tie into a greater good strategy? You know, within the business itself, uh, we're making decisions all the time that within the business are focused on the greater good. We've had to go through that at the start of this pandemic. What decisions did we have to make to ensure that the business and the majority of interests, employees, creditors, shareholders, banks, everyone, what decisions are we making to make sure that we're carrying through the greater good of everyone plus the business itself? Resilience and making sure that we build resilience in the team, you know, change and making sure that we're being very adaptable all the time. I mean, we're a business at Radley, for example, that we probably would have been exiting this year or next year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had three years in a row of EBITDA growth, fairly substantial growth. Uh, we're on track. It's all going great. Starting to, you know, start to feel where this is going to go in terms of exit timeline and, and potential exit opportunities. Global pandemic, EBITDA crushed. Complete shift of mindset. Let's react. Let's set ourselves. Let's secure ourselves. And we looked at the pandemic as blunt trauma, consolidation, and you know, we're hopeful from this summer onwards that we'll start to move back into growth. So that a resilience and, you know, ability to react, to deal with change. It, it, it's an old adage and Stoics get the credit for it, and it's rightly so. You know, what happens in life isn't really the point for most people. It's how you deal with what happens in life and within business that makes all the difference. Everyone's going to have to go through the pandemic, but who's going to come out swifter, stronger, more resilient, more prepared, and have pivoted their businesses and have not been bogged down in unnecessary activities with laser-like focus and really, you know, coming back to the things we touched, great time management of what's important. Give us a, give us a feel for what's part of your greater good strategy. That's, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so we're, funny enough, we've used the pandemic, you know, to, to sense check a lot of parts of our business, uh, to lose parts that were not productive uh, that we said, look, it's time up on that. And that, that's the whole thing. There, there's a, you know, important stoic point there. You know, we give a lot of credit in society to people just keep trying to knock that wall down. You know, the pandemic gave us a, a point in time to say, look, what, what is really working here? And what can we then leverage for into the future? And, you know, and obviously that's going to be hugely significant in terms of the digital world in many respects. 
But then also stepping back and saying, well, this part of our business is not working. Let's just forget that. And let's just, you know, move and focus our, our attention into areas and allocate resources to those areas and so forth. So, and then we try to say to ourselves within the greater good, where do we now fit if we're making these types of decisions? And then we have, we're in the process right now of really having a good look at our ESG strategy and our suppliers mm-hmm. and all other partners and our global footprint and our race to, to you know, to zero carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. All, all, all the things you expect, but then even more, you know, what's our ESG strategy and our responsibility to our employees? Are they happy? Are we engaging them correctly? Do we communicate enough? Are they being reassured? Uh, do we do uh, enough wellness activities for them on a consistent basis so that they feel not only that they're engaged with us and they understand what's happening, but we're really concerned that they are well. Uh, this has been an unusual period. And this generation, what I went through and how I approached my life was a different generation. Uh, you know, it was affected by World War II and my grandfathers and my fathers and all that sort of stuff. This is different generation. Their challenges are no less important or they're just different. So we want to make sure that we're really focusing on how we engage them. So ESG and having a stoic philosophy working through all to create that harmony across it all, uh, stoicism gives us the ability to, to look at it all holistically and build the parts up correctly. And now some thoughts from Bridge Leisure CEO, Andrew Howe, on his Pep Talks membership experience. As the chief executive, you're the one who's supposed to have all the answers. And you know, in a business, there's, there's a lot of that. And it was quite odd to get involved with something where necessarily you know, there was an admission that I don't have all the answers. But I have to say, having done it, it's been genuinely you know, transformative. I, it's, it's absolutely palpably helped me get better at my job. The dinners are amazing, the speakers are extraordinary, but the, probably the most useful thing is actually talking to other people and realising that the things that we struggle with or wrestle with are the same irrespective of the business that we're in. So talking to other chief execs in a similar, similar kind of role but a totally different business, so no competition, no threat, uh, and an honest exchange, I've found hugely helpful. If you would like more information on Pep Talks membership, then email us at info at pep-talks.co.uk. One of our previous episodes of this podcast, we talked to Karen James, who's um, the CEO of ERM, which is one of the world's leaders in ESG consulting. And we were talking about the importance of you know, how essential it's going to be uh, for all businesses to be building in an environment, environment uh, supply chain rigor, really, to protect their business. I mean, all sources of money will be looking at your policies around protecting the environment, protecting your employees, anti-slavery, diversity, and so on and so forth. So you know, the, fact, the fact that your, yours is rooted in a stoic philosophy is really interesting. I think, and just even from a practical standpoint, soon 
it, it, and it's already there to some degree. You know, in private equity-backed businesses, for example, in a few years' time, with their with the LPs that are investing in these private equity groups, if your ESG strategy is not world-class and all-encompassing to a large degree, then your ability you'll be you know excluded from some of the uh, markets yeah. because people want to know that businesses are being very well managed across all aspects of an ESG strategy. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you develop resilience in your team then, um, because and this last 12 months must have been very difficult for them psychologically. If you're coming to almost the end of a very successful journey under private equity ownership, you've almost achieved your, your commercial financial ambitions and the investment thesis, and then it all comes crashing down for reasons way outside of your control. I mean, that can be a real killer of... Um, of engagement and motivation in the team. I mean, just how have you managed to, how, what sort of techniques do you use to help them build resilience? Yeah, so you know, we, we reset what we're going to achieve. So first of all, it's just making sure you have a very calm senior leadership team and giving them hope. You know, people were very disappointed. We, we, you know, we, we've had a very financially because of the crisis, you know, EBITDA is going to be, you know, very decimated this year. But we're still going to be positive. We have not taken on any government uh, loans or extra funding, really. We've had some sensible support from shareholders, minimal, and work with our with our main banking partner extremely well. So most, you know, when when people realise that the pandemic, look, it's just not us. I mean, it's everyone. Yeah, and they can see the headlines people losing their jobs and businesses going down and you know decimation in communities and so forth you have you have to have the bigger picture for a start and say look okay history's fine and we're going great and it's all going to be good but now the, the whole world has been affected so where do we let's, let's assess that and where we are first uh, you've got to get a grip on that and just be thankful be grateful that look we're fine we're going to get through this and then rebound so it, one is you know shaping that perspective really quickly and making sure people understand that, look, you're not the only one in this and it could be a whole lot worse and we're safe. And then building on that safety space, let's get secure. Let's get really secure. So that's number two. Number three is if we're secure and there's capacity coming out of the market, change, change is opportunity. Change is opportunity. And then number four is we have a great shareholders. We're not, they, they won't let us down. Let's do our work. Let's protect them. Let's get everything set up. Let's get a new growth plan. Let's present it to them. And then they'll do the right thing without even me having to ask. And what I mean by that, they'll make sure that the incentive is there for the management team. But so, you know, so you get those four parts that I mentioned, and then we start saying, look, we're, get, we're going to look after you. We're going to make sure that you're okay. And so we rearranged our work-life approach and the rhythm in the business to make sure that, you know, we have ability for people. We have wellness weeks. You know, I've mentioned one to you before. We have a, we just had a um, a stoic wellness week, which was fabulously re, uh, received, and we track it in data so that we can actually track and go back to the board and say this is what happened. Six weeks later, we had a resilience week, just to build resilience and perspectives on resilience. Which we had a, uh, funny enough, someone from Australia as well who was an expert in that field, and they did a five day seminar on resilience. Fantastic. We, we have. Uh, uh, meditation and yoga periods come into the business three times a week or available on a weekly basis. 
we have periods of the day, no meetings, go walk the dog, go out with your wife, go out with your husband, go out. You know, we, we, we have very strict systems around Zoom meetings because you can get Zoom fatigue. Oh, People yeah. Chatting and talking. Yeah. Type meetings and we classify those meetings. Do you want to just, you know, talk about strategy or talk about things like that? Then that's a different type of meeting. Otherwise, get on Zoom and get off and then get to your team. So we've, we've brought in a whole bunch of different act, different approaches to see how we want to go at our business, um, you know, during this pandemic and therefore coming out afterwards. And all of my senior team, especially when you hire senior people, uh, we take quite an extensive process trying to hire the right person. You hang around the right people, you get the right results and you get the right outcomes and you get the right vibe and you get the right harmony. Uh, you have a bad egg, you know, that can cause problems. So, you know, the team around that I've tried to gather through various ventures over the years, uh, generally speaking, they're all terrific people. They're really enjoyable to be around. They're great values. They work hard. Uh, they're ambitious, but they're not going to eat anyone along the way. You know, it's, it's that it's that esprit de corps, but they're all keen to say, that I always say in the projects that I undertake, and I, I haven't really done, you know, I've only worked at really three places in my life after I got going. So, you know, I choose things. I like to see them out and do them really well that, you know, you know, not only for potential uh, success in the business, but just as much those are projects that you can look back in your life and say they were really worthwhile projects. Yeah. Uh, they were not just business. They were projects in, in, you know, CEOs in often ways, they're like directors of movies, you know, they're, they put all the bits together and they've got to tell the story right and they've got to bring people, the actors, and everything. You've got, you got to build it all. You've got to build it. It's not just being running down a siloed vision of, in Bradley's case, selling a lot of the handbags. It was a distress situation when, when we took it over and I brought in investors with me to, to go at it. But I knew it was going to be a long-term project and, you know, a worthwhile one. And yeah. utilizing all the things I've done previously, but it's a project, it's a process, it's a storytelling, it's it, and, it, and it takes time. How have you managed to pivot the business? What have you done in the last twelve months, and and what's that going to mean for you in the next couple of years or so? Yeah, look, we closed every poor performing channel that was either poor sales, poor EBITDA, but also poor expression of the brand. And the same process, we went through an incredible, which we were building into anyway, an incredible elevation of product, extension of product, and uh, brand content elevation. And that's still in process, but looking very, very enterprising and exciting. We then made sure that we put people in the right position. So we did some shuffling around of different people's portfolios to move to a more matrix organization. We also expanded our business in certain parts of the world continue to grow in the United States. Our business went off in Australia very successfully and certain parts of Asia uh, look very enterprising as well. So, and we just put more emphasis in those areas as the UK uh, was, you know, finding itself in the middle of this really difficult set of circumstances. We don't have a lot of business in Europe, so that was not uh, really a, a problem for us. And then our ability then, which everyone is doing, the acceleration of digital Direct to consumer has been remarkable. 
And every day in the early part of the pandemic, I was very surprised. I couldn't believe that I was turning up every day, looking into the sales uh, outcome and going, who's buying these handbags? Because no one needs it. And who's buying this new footwear that we bought out? And who's buying, you know, our products? And we had a great Christmas, uh, digitally speaking, all relative to where we are in the environment. But we've beaten every single forecast that we've put up since pandemic took hold. Fantastic. And and so we're so grateful. And because we are really non-essential in terms of the need. So it again came back to, and one of the reasons that I always liked the Radley story when I saw it many years ago was that they had a really fantastic loyal audience. And there was two things that with all the DD that was looked at and uh, when I went to the two investors uh, to co-invest with them, acquiring Radley, I said, there's two great things about this business. One, the core audience is there and rabid for this brand. And the most trusted ladies handbag uh, accessory brand in the UK, from Louis Vuitton to Ferrelli or whoever, and everyone in between during that period when we were acquiring the business that was confirmed by outside uh, reports and DD was Radley. So if you have a very rabid core audience and the market trusts you, then all the other things we have to do in terms of rebuilding the distribution, rebuilding the brand, rebuilding the the promotional um, cadence that was destroying the, you know, the the credibility in the brand. All those things over time we could do, but the two the two front end elements that were core, they were already there, and that was uh, a compelling um, uh, reason for us to take take the position that we thought this was a good business to be involved with. Great. That's fantastic to hear. If, if, if there are some CEOs, private equity backed CEO leaders out there now thinking about how they might adopt the philosophy and apply it into their businesses, I mean, what sort of, what would be your top four or five tips for them in terms of how to approach it? Um, first of all, I, I'd read a lot. You know, I think it's enjoyable reading as you, as you've indicated. Yeah. I think, it's incredibly common sense. So that, you know, stoicism is a very logical, um, sensible uh, approach to living. It does require a fair bit of discipline. And so it requires a fair bit of reflection. So within what you're reading, you know, the perspectives of Marcus, Epictetus, Seneca, read. And then as you're reading, take your own notes uh, and your own perspectives and journalize those and say, well, you know, how can I bring those ideas and these bigger themes into the business? You know, if, I, if, if the stoic number one focus is develop virtuous character, then how do I develop that, that, that approach into my strategy? Are we a really good business? And what do we stand for? And what do we stand for in our customers? And will we stand behind that with good character? So all of these principles in Stoic, you can take notes and you can say, okay, you know, utilization of time. Do I really manage my time effectively for the business? Does my senior team, you know, how how am I using the time? Um, The greater, you know, the the view from above, you know, when things go wrong, are, are you able to stay at the right level, but dip into the right conversations? 
um, emotional control, reactionary, dealing with change, all of these big stoic themes you can pinpoint. We, you know, at the foundation, we have a, uh, a module that we're developing for senior leaders to have a day with us, to sit down and first in the morning, really understand, you know, in a more deep dive what stoicism is about. And then in the afternoon, okay, how do we drop all these things into business thinking um, to create, you know, a stronger business that's more well-rounded, that can be sustainable for long periods of time. Tell us about the foundation then. Um, when did you set it up? Why did you set it up? What's, what's your goal? What's your, what's your purpose with the, with the foundation? Yeah, I think there's, there's really three, three, well, there's quite a bit around it. What we did, we started in 2018. It was time for me in life to start thinking about the next 20 years or so of the give back. You know, life has been very good to me and I'm very thankful for all the things that have occurred to me, the places I've been, the outcomes that have that have uh, transpired, people that I've been able to build relationships. And my wife and I wanted to, were thinking about, especially after we, we exited and sold our business uh, in 2012, what, what would, you know, what would be our passion to give back? So we decided we'd start this foundation and we wanted to do something that I think if anyone's going to do this type of thing, do it, you know, do it for charitable causes and, and greater good give back, but do, do it in something that you want to do. So and it's not just about giving money. The foundation does give quietly financial funds to different causes if we believe they line up with uh, our mandate and stoic philosophy. Um, but, you know, I would, I'd summarise it in really three things. First of all is that we support all things stoic. Um, you know, anything that we think is lining up with the movement of stoicism. Stoicism has had a dramatic move during the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, it was on the move globally. People are searching and looking for a, for something, and that's the great measure of stoicism. It's It stood the test of time. So all things stoic and creating that awareness of stoicism, particularly uh, in corners where it may not have reached before. So that's one. Number two is youth. We want to bring stoicism to a younger audience. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't come across stoicism until one, later in life, or two, they've had you know, a tragedy or really difficult things. Like you, like you said, Sam, you went through a really tough spot there last year and you, you had the copy and you found it reassuring. Stoicism is, is great uh, in terms of when it's tough, but it's also great when you're on top. And it, it's a balancing, it's a fantastic balancing philosophy. So um, bringing it to youth. So a lot of the activity we do is trying to bring a stoic awareness into youth. They've got different lives, different challenges, 24 seven news cycle, social media, all this stuff, how do they filter it in a way that they can put an understanding and keep their sense of themselves and purpose? And then number three, as, as mentioned, is, uh, is the business community. And that's where I really want to promote business engagement. I've mentioned we have, a, uh, with the foundation, we have a wellness week uh, that we offer to businesses. We're actually sold out till about May. We've got private equity. Last week was a private equity group who did it. Uh, we have an exhibition group next week that's really under a lot of pressure. Uh, they're doing it for 60 people. We've got um, a restaurant group after that. Uh, we trialled it in Radley late last year. And again, it's data driven, so it's people can track themselves and, and so forth. 
And it really gives that ability to bring the message into the business community and challenge people to think about their strategies, their behaviors, their values, their approach uh, through this philosophy. That is a greater good contribution. And um, so awareness, youth, business, you know, we do seminars, we do webinars, we do events. Uh, we're building a digital library. Uh, we, we participate quietly in the background and, and give money to certain things. There's a Donald Robinson, uh, Robinson, who's, you know, the author of uh, Think Like a Roman Emperor. Yeah. Uh, he's getting behind a big initiative to uh, put the, a refurbished and new Plato's Academy in Athens that would be for Stoics and also great event arena and so forth. And uh, the Aurelius Foundation is, is getting behind that support as well. So those are the, the things, but, you know, I've got leading academics from the Stoic. I'm very grateful for them. I've got other business leaders, uh, investment banker, private equity guys, uh, my wife, uh, and it's a great team of Stoic resource that we're looking to, to take this journey over a sustained period of time. Yeah, well, I I, I can uh, reference that and, and be testimony for that. I've been to your webinars over the last 12 months. They've been incredibly educational, uh, give you time to reflect uh, and and go away and learn uh, and study more. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter. And if we can help in any way, I'm really keen to do so. Uh, if our listeners want to connect, um, then I encourage you to just to reach out to me or to Pep Talks, and we can put you in touch with uh, with Justin and the Pep Talks community. Will definitely get to know you better as as time goes on. Sam, look, uh, always enjoy our conversation. I'm always a supporter of you and, and Pep Talks, and uh, look forward to doing more things with your group as we go forward. And thanks for the time today; it was very enjoyable. Well, thank you. So what, what, what did you think, Richard? What, what, what did you make of that conversation? Yeah, really interesting. I mean, over the past few weeks, I've been looking into stoicism quite a bit, obviously through the podcast and interaction with Justin. I mean, I think you were largely, you, he, was, he was preaching to the converted with you, wasn't he, when we were doing the stoicism stuff? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I know Justin made some comments in the podcast about um, some people he notices in their actions and behaviours and natural stoics. And I probably wouldn't, put myself into that category but I definitely have gotten quite a lot out of thinking about stoicism I think especially in my decision making this whole point around obviously you can't control these external factors but you can control how you react to them so I think actually for me it's helped me with my ability to to plan especially the big decisions I'm making within the business what are the good outcomes of this what are the bad outcomes of this potentially and what's the best possible way I could react to them. And then I guess that sort of feeds back into itself in that I'll think about my uh, reaction to those negative outcomes and then maybe readjust my initial plan. Yeah. But I think the thing that's impressed me quite a bit, especially in my interaction with Justin, the way he acts is that it's, it's not particularly easy, stoicism. It takes work. You've got to really continuously challenge yourself because it's that, that whole point about not having neg negative emotions about these external factors you can't control. It's all well and good to say. It's a whole other thing to actually put that into practice, uh, which is why yeah, I was quite impressed by Justin, the way he's so disciplined, especially within his role as a CEO.
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. That's what I respect. My, you know, the, the, whether whether you're a business person, uh, an athlete, um, whatever it is you're doing in life, if you have that degree of self-discipline, where you praise yourself and constantly look for self-improvement, I just think it's really inspiring. Um, having read uh, Aurelius and Meditations, I came out of that situation back into work and actually thought, God, how lucky are we? How lucky are we to be going again and to have this opportunity and to be working with these private equity-backed CEOs and to be adding value? And um, yeah, that perspective came from reading Marcus Aurelius. So it's great to talk to Justin again. Uh, it's great to have Justin involved now in as a founding member in Pep Talks. And I, and I think you know that's what I always take from Justin is his his ability to see the bigger picture, to see the opportunities from the, the negative um, situations that, that may that may hit a business. Uh, that um, self discipline he has to work on himself, appraise himself, and constantly look for improvement. I think is is really inspiring, and I take a lot from that. And I think I think uh, we can all. Um, take something from that.